0: Attention Pilates girlies, or maybe you're a girly who wants to be a Pilates girly in 2024. Are you ready to experience slow burn? Come join the Totality Sculpt community and experience results you have never seen before. Three modalities under one roof that are all low impact so everybody can benefit from the burn. They offer XSculpt, their custom style of slow resistance training where Pilates meets strength training. I love, love, love their sculpt classes. Their yoga room is infrared heated, so you receive benefits both internally and externally. Their variety of yoga classes include power yoga, flow yoga, and sculpt yoga, also called total tone, and everything in between. Yoga is just like on my list for 2024. Hot yoga with infrared Yes, give it to me. They also offer 30-minute cardio classes that are high-energy, beat-based, efficient cardio on the VersaClimber. Try it all out in their first-timer, two-week, unlimited classes for just $60. Or use code WHATTHEFIT, all one word, for your first class free. You really got to check this out. This is where I'm spending all my extra time in boutique fitness, Totality Sculpt. See you there. Welcome to What The Fit, a podcast about what it means to be fit, whatever the fuck that means. I'm your host, Christelle Rubio, and I'm helping to share the stories of cool people doing cool shit. From fitness trainers to wellness coaches, entrepreneurs, and entertainers, we'll hear the -the behind-the-scenes journey, all the different ways we can take care of ourselves, and of course. Will answer and explore the big question of what does being fit mean to you? My guest today is a certified yoga teacher, energy medicine practitioner, and wellness coach who focuses on the power and reality of self-healing by increasing awareness of the mind-body connection and its effect on overall health and wholeness. She is a mindfulness-based stress reduction facilitator and a coach with a focus in holistic health. Most importantly, she helps you embrace the love in life. Please welcome Karen Bossi. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. So I first thought that we would just come on here and talk about energy healing. Okay. However, I did some research and some digging, and I found that you have a very compelling story to share, (laughs) which I'm willing to bet has led you to where you are today with the energy work and the energy healing that you do. So I think that it's best if we start at the beginning, Okay. And hear about all the happenings of your life that have happened to, to lead us to where we are today, where I ended up on your table <laughs> and you helped me unstick a lot of shit that then opened up a magical energy portal for me <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so until we before we get there. Sure, <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe we could start at the beginning. Are you from Cincinnati? I'm from
1: Louisville. From Louisville? Yep. Okay, what brought you to Cincinnati? I went to Miami of Ohio. Oh yes, for me college. too. I think I might have been a little ahead of you. Yeah, maybe a little. I bit. I Went to school there, and then P and G hired me at a career fair. Oh yes, on the university. I mean, that's where they yes. hired a lot of people. Yes, of course. And I, back in the day, it was a resume on a piece of paper. Yes, and I threw it in the box. Thinking, yes, whatever. That I was, need a job.
0: That was still happening. when So I, after I graduated from Miami. I lived in Columbus for a couple of years, worked in like HR type of stuff, and then I became a campus recruiter. So I was the one going to the career fairs, and even just, you know, however long ago that was, 15 years, 10 years, I don't know, they sure. still had paper resumes putting them in the in the
1: bucket, so right.
0: it hasn't evolved too much.
1: <laughs> That's well, I took a lot of resumes with me yeah, to the career yeah. fair, and I had no intention of working at P&G, but... They called me and we interviewed and off so I then went. you stayed in Cincinnati. So that brought me to Cincinnati okay. and I worked out of my apartment. Yeah, and I was in the Flop and Slop division. What's that? Food service and lodging products. So I called on restaurants, hotels, country clubs, hospitals, anywhere they had food service, and I sold institutional products. So coffee, Folgers institutional, cleaning products, uh-huh. Tide, et cetera, mini soaps. The amenities, little small shampoos, for yes, the, hotels, yeah, and I basically got paid to drive all over the city and learn my way around because there was no GPS. Oh yeah, it was a, a map, right? No cell phone. How?
0: So I didn't have GPS like <clears throat> when I first started driving, but we had MapQuest on the computer, so we would print out MapQuest directions. Yep. But How
1: did you? What did you do? I. Unfolded the map. Yes, the actual map. The actual paper that map. That you p- kept in the glove compartment. Uh, yeah, Actually on the passenger seat because yeah. okay. I needed it exactly. all the
0: time. How could you be driving and looking at a map? And also, like, kudos that you can even follow a map. That seems like it's a lost skill. Uh, well, it was a skill I had at the time. <laughs> I wouldn't
1: want to do it now
0: <laughs> <laughs> at all. Isn't it but so funny to think about the things we did? Like, I was, like, doing trigonometry.
1: Oh.
0: What? Right. I- like. <laughs>
1: Something to use all the time. Definitely in life. not
0: going to happen now. Right, right. I'm like writing poetic papers about the comparison between the Exodus and the Matrix. I'm like, now what am I doing? I'm like scrolling on Instagram. Right. Like,
1: <laughs> because you can. Because I can. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a good way to move into the city and learn my way around. Mm-hmm. I would get exposed to all the restaurants yeah, and country clubs and get yeah. to see what Cincinnati has to offer, right. which was a lot. Yeah, And then every time I, as my career went on, usually one of my clients would hire me away from what I was doing. So St. Elizabeth then, St. Elizabeth Hospital hired me to start up a healthcare division. It was a program called Optifast.
0: Mm.
1: If you remember, which you may or may not, when Oprah lost all her weight and she pulled the wagon of fat I do Out, remember that stage. iconic moment. So she did that with Optifast, which was a supplemented fasting program. Did you see? She's really thin again. She is, and I, it's probably like Ozempic or I think
0: it's some some yeah some Something kind of like some kind of thing like that. But that's great. She listen. I think what, uh, Oprah is a woman that looks great at so many different sizes because it's not about her size. Exactly. Like that's not why we love Oprah. Anything to do with her body? No. But she has been on a roller coaster with it.
1: Yeah. It's been a lifelong struggle It's been for a sure. lifelong st-
0: something for her. Yeah. 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 I'm sure a lot of people can relate, but. 100%. Um, so, yeah, that sounds like a great way to be able to get to know the city when you're from Louisville. So well, like not yeah. And yeah. I never yeah. left. But what yeah.
1: was so fun, and it kind of showed me, as we were talking earlier about manifestation. Yes. I remember being in Oxford, mm-hmm. and we came to Cincinnati mm-hmm. for a big weekend. Yep. And being in Louisville, I didn't travel that much. I mean, we went to Chicago to see my dad's college roommate, Detroit to see his family. Yeah. And that was kind of it. Yeah. I mean, we just didn't do that. Yeah. So coming and standing in Fountain Square and looking at all the tall buildings and the, the beautiful fountain, I thought, someday I need to live here. Having no idea that that would ever be. Had a great weekend. Went back. I think Rock Bottom Brewery was in, okay. the, in Fountain Square then. Yes. Anyways, oh, wow. I yeah. mean, right? A long time ago. And went back to college, never thought about it again. And then career fair, p your territory, Cincinnati, off we go. Yeah. So it was wow. fun. And I just love the city. I haven't left.
0: Yeah. No, I, that's how I've been too. I'm not originally from here, but I moved here in 2012. And I don't want to be anywhere else. You're from Canton, right? I'm from Canton. Yeah. I I'm, I'm, was born in New Jersey and grew up in New Jersey, and then we moved to Florida and then Canton. But I say Canton because Canton was, was the vast majority. Right. Pretty much the majority of my young life.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, now when people say, where are you from? I tend you to say to Cincinnati. Yeah.
0: yeah but yeah. if my
1: mom's around, I say Louisville. Yeah. Because that would be offensive.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course.
1: Of course. Of I was course. raised in Louisville. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So before college, though, I saw that you had a major life event happen when you were very young, an illness. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that?
1: Sure. Yeah. It's a good kickoff to yeah. kind of your previous question, like how I got here. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was in the seventh grade, I was about 11 years old, Yeah, I was diagnosed with a what was then thought to be a terminal blood disease. And it still is very, very serious. Um, at the time, it was, there was a 10% survival rate. Oh, my gosh. And bone marrow transplants were not a thing. And so I went through about five years using up all the different treatments that were were available. Just like this is
0: we will try this one first. We'll see what happens. Okay,
1: if this doesn't work, then we'll try this one. Like you just went down the line. Right. Exactly. And went to University of Minnesota to be treated up there. And at the end, they had exhausted all the treatments that were available and aplastic anemia was my illness Mm -hmm. and it's basically a bone marrow failure disorder. So your bone marrow makes blood cells Uh and aplastic anemia, you don't make the blood. So you have to have transfusions all the time. How did you
0: come to find out you were sick when you were 11? Like what, how was it manifesting in your body?
1: Well, I was pretty active Uh as a child. And then my mom noticed that I was sitting on the sidelines back then we played kickball Uh in the street Yes, and she noticed I wasn't playing. I was sitting on the grass. Watching. And then she also started noticing that I had little red dots. Mm. It's technically called petechiae, but Mm -hmm. little red dots on the lower half of my legs. And so she took me to the pediatrician and he's like, oh, it's your soap. It's an allergic reaction. Oh, so we That's changed also all making the soaps. you tired to sit out a kickball. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, I was sitting out because my hemoglobin was low. Yeah. And so then you just had low energy, like you were just tired? Right. So hemoglobin, the red blood cells carry uh-huh. oxygen through your blood. Yeah. So I was really tired. Yeah. But we didn't know my hemoglobin was low. Right. And she was just started putting all the pieces together. And then we changed all the soaps and it wasn't getting any better. And then she noticed one in the white of my eye. And she's like... Okay, we need to do something else. So, pediatrician drew my blood and he saw that my hemoglobin was low, but my platelets, which is what clots your blood, so all those little red dots were little broken capillaries, essentially. And he saw my platelets were really low, and I was diagnosed with ITP, idiopathic thrombocypenia purpura, which is the little red dots. I know it's a mouthful, (laughs) so we'll we'll stick with ITP. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then t- the treatment for that is you take your spleen out because your spleen must be eating up the platelets, and off you go. Well, so from, they removed your spleen? So before they did that, I don't know, I think they were probably drawing my blood, just kind of monitoring me a little bit, and they started noticing that my hemoglobin was dropping even mm. more. And so then they sent me to New York, and I saw a physician up there in Syracuse, and I had my first, first bone marrow aspiration, Right out of my sternum, which is what they do for adults. What does that mean? Like, so, so it means that um, any bone marrow, they... are sh- they sh- Like a really huge, I'll say massive, shove, massive needle. They, they shove a massive needle through in- your bone into your marrow and then draw up... Do they put, like, are there any the kind marrow? of... I mean, they have... To, they, how do they manage the pain? Back in the day, nothing. They cleaned it up with betadine.
0: And they just stuck it in? And then... Into your bone?
1: Off you go. And you pull up the marrow. And then if you have a bone marrow biopsy, it's like...
0: When you're just alive and awake, they pull up the marrow?
1: Yeah. And then a biopsy, it's like a cocktail straw goes in. And they like cork your bone to study that. That has got to
0: hurt so bad. So...
1: I can't I don't know if we can cuss on this, but... Yes, you can... So bad. (laughs) So blank bad. Um, yeah. And as a, ch- I mean, and it was right here in my sternum, which is, they I don't, don't do that know, now. Like, how do you just
0: even survive that? Like, did you pass out? Did you like go black? I, I probably they, was in
1: shock. Why couldn't they knock you out? I just, I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I would love I'm, to know the answer is, to that. Yeah, but this is, that was a horrible experience. Horrible. Horrible. And then just the recovery from that. Every time I would bend down, it would you know, throb, and so it was a whole ordeal, but anyways, that's where I was diagnosed. After all these years, though, do
0: you, like, remember the experience? i like, you think forget it. you've like it, like, it is in there. Yeah. Do you remember what it felt like to some extent? I know, like, pain is, like, one of those things that we can easily forget. Right. Um, I remember the
1: horror of having it done in my sternum because... The horror.
0: You can see it.
1: Yeah, and I've had so many bone marrow aspirations and biopsies over the years. My second one... Of many, many. But my second one, it was in the back the of back, my hip. Yeah. That's kind in of, of like... my pelvic bone.
0: That's kind of like where I... When I think of a bone marrow situation, right. I'm thinking you're on your front and they're doing it like... Right.
1: From the back or something. But I have to remember also, even when I'm telling the story, that that was 45 years ago. Right. The, yeah. They were I doing mean, the best they could. mean, there were so many advances yeah. made yeah. from then. So... Um, After that, then I would have them in my pelvic, my back. And And still always awake. (laughs) Like holy hell. I mean, like none other. And I would usually have someone hold Hold you down. My feet, my um, ankles, because I was afraid, just as a reflex, I would kick. Yeah. And it would hit the physician's needle and make it hurt even more. Yeah. So. Those were not fun days.: No, no, when no. I had to get uh, th- those. Like,
0: yeah, that's got to be like, oh gosh, just yeah. like so much en- talking about energy <sighs> that like right. you're holding on to with like the like bra- like bracing yourself for it.
1: yeah. Ch- talk about trauma.
0: Trauma, Trauma. I mean,
1: full-on trauma. <laughs> full- on. Right. Wow. And okay. okay. It's so funny, as you say that, like, I don't sit around and think about no. my life experiences in that Most way. Most people don't. Well, I mean, I think I've just taken everything that's happened to me as this progresses just – it's just what I needed to do. Yeah. And I take it all – I don't take for granted my life, right. obviously. I'm super grateful for it, and I'm working on – I'm giving it back, yeah. everything that I've learned. But I just kind of – it just was my life.
0: I know, and I, and you know? I think it's it's – that's the almost default for a lot of people. I just had this experience. I was sitting with a friend yesterday and we were talking about stuff that had gone on in my divorce almost three years ago now. And we were just saying it out loud and we're like, dude, that was fucked up. Like we didn't really acknowledge the fucked upness while it was happening. But now when you're looking back, like, that was something I, like, really had to get through. But, you, but in the moment, you are just getting through it. It's your life. You move forward. You, like, that's all, that's all you can do. Right. It's only later that you look back and you're like, wow, maybe I really do need to give myself some more compassion and grace and love for, like, having gone through right. these things that at the time kind of seemed like, yes, you just have to do it. Right.
1: Yeah. And I, mean, I kind of did. Yeah, you did. I mean. You I did. Didn't really have a choice. No. But at the end... Meaning that there was nothing else that we could do. I did lots of medication. I did, um, like, oral medication. I did what was then called plasmapheresis, where you, two IVs, they pump blood out.
0: You were just going through the ringer. Spin it wringer.
1: down, take off the plasma. They thought maybe my body was, f- my there was something in my plasma fighting things off. I mean, literally, they didn't know no. what to do. Yeah. Because it was it's still a pretty rare illness. Yeah. So, in the end, after they had exhausted everything...
0: Like, how many... Is this a year? Is this two... Oh, this is
1: like five years.
0: Five years. Okay. Yeah. This and is a long back time. Back and forth
1: to <clears throat> University of Minnesota for treatments. Yeah. And um, I'm back in Louisville. Now I have a pediatric hematologist who I adore. He's no longer with us, but unbelievable. Um, I would go into the hospital three days a week. Now, they didn't have outpatient treatment centers or infusion centers or anything like they do now. So I would go in one of the back rooms of the emergency department with my mom, and they would start an IV, and I would s- sit there all day and get blood products, mm. usually just red cells and platelets, and then my mom would drive me home. Then I would go to school on Tuesday, go back to the hospital on Wednesday, do it again. Thursday, go to school.
0: So you yeah. see the pattern. Yeah. Monday, Wednesday,
1: Friday. Well... When you're getting that many transfusions, you start to build antibodies mm. to them. So in the end of this experience, I would have the transfusions, but my body would just fight it off. Oh so it was gosh. all for naught. Yeah. Like really. And I would have such horrible, horrible reactions.
0: Like what kind of uh, reactions? Like
1: shaking and fever and hives. And it was... Ho- it just was like torture. Really was. Yeah. And, I mean, I wasn't sure that I was going to make it, you know, through the whole thing, but I just kept doing it. Because, yeah, what else would you do? Well, right. And, uh, I mean, I remember one of the days my mom was driving, obviously, she was driving us home, and I was like 15 or 14, something like that. I'm like, Mom, I'm not sure I'm ever, I'm not going to be here when I'm 16. Can I sit on your lap and see what it's like to drive? Oh, And so I'd sit real close to her, obviously not on her lap. She would do the pedal and I would steer just in case. Right. I didn't make it.
0: And like, I mean, was it like a terrifying feeling? Were you anxious all the time? Were you stressed about it? Were you thinking about it? I feel like now if someone told me like, hey, you have a 10% chance of living through this disease you were just diagnosed
1: with, I would be freaking out. Right. So I don't, I think because the beauty of it is I was in seventh and eighth grade. Yeah. Right. And I was a super angsty teenager like uh no I played sports I was competitive this is not going to get me down this is yeah so it's almost like a de- like a denial of it yeah and yeah. also it was also an intuitive belief that I had that this was not forever mm. this was not going to be the end of me
0: mm-hmm. This but was not I needed to get, get me through out.
1: it yeah right yeah and Granted, there were times that I was scared shitless. Yeah. I mean, I had the last rites, the last sacrament oh as my a God. Catholic. Oh, I don't even know. Probably eight times. Oh, my God. I mean, it's crazy. Yes. You know, here comes the family priest again. Or when I'm in the ICU and my grandparents come down from Michigan, I know it's a big deal. Oh, like this might be it. This yeah. Okay, might be, it. Oh, okay, <laughs> be it for me. I mean, right? So, um, I just, but <clears> you <throat> just go through the motions. But in the end, I remember... Coming home one time after the transfusion, I was lying in my bed just shaking and miserable. And my dad came in, and I'm like, am I going to die? He's like, we don't know. <laughs> but we're going to try our very best yeah. to keep you alive. And I'm, I just appreciated the candor. Yeah. Because we didn't talk about death. Yeah. We didn't talk about the percentage of survival. Yeah. I just put my head down and did it. Mm-hmm. And I did it in my own way, which I think is why I survived. Um, And I say angsty because of all the different things that I did. Like I would not wear pajamas. I wouldn't, um, pardon me, I would not wear hospital gowns.
0: Mm. When I went
1: in the hospital, my mom took me to get new pajamas. And I would wear my own pajamas from home. Mm -hmm. And then when I woke up in the morning, if I wasn't getting a treatment, I would put on street clothes. Mm. And then that's how I would do my day.
0: So you're almost just like... It's not like a fake it till you make it, but it's like a kind of a similar sense of like, no, this, I'm, I'm doing my life the way that I'm going to do my life. Right. Regardless of what this disease says. Yes.
1: And I, I do kind of think it's like fake it till you make it. Yeah. Because I was not, I mean, I've learned so many things since then, but I was not telling my body that I was sick by me wearing my own pajamas. I was taking some control by me getting up and putting my street clothes on. Mm -hmm. That was... that was me, like, saying, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm just getting through this. Yeah. Instead of wearing a hospital gown, oh, I'm, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick. hmm I'm telling my body I'm sick, where instead I was trying to act normal yeah I looked far from normal yeah yeah I, my skin was basically I was bleeding underneath my skin so yeah I, you know it was purple yeah my face was huge from prednisone oh I had this god-awful wig my mom had me get <laughs> I had curly hair growing up and I'm like oh wig okay well I'm gonna get long blonde hair yeah of course it's be so beautiful I'm yeah. gonna be so like you know my purple skin is a nice <laughs> contrast to the blonde and uh my mom's like god bless her she's like No, because when your hair grows in they're gonna know that was a wig oh (laughs) like Like, are we trying to fool
0: you now i'm like girl
1: everybody knows (laughs) Uh, anyways whatever i got a curly wig because that was more believable (sighs) oh anyways um that's just what i did yeah and i you know my mom taught me a lot of things like when i was in the hospital my dad went to notre dame when Notre Dame football was playing, my mom would bring in tailgate kind of food. Mm-hmm. She'd bring me a Notre Dame T-shirt to wear. Mm-hmm. We'd watch the games. We'd have a tailgate party. Yeah. When it was Valentine's Day and I was in the hospital, she'd bring cookies to decorate. Same yeah. Thing at Christmas, Halloween, we we decorated the room for everything. Yeah. It. I hate to say it, it was like a party, but yeah. That's no. the way we made it. Yeah. And I may, I remember making like flowers and. Plant uh, like other plants and clouds and the sun, and I made my room feel like I was in a garden Beautiful. that I was outside and not in a hospital room. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just being a kid. This is
0: just like yeah, this was just intuitive to you of like this is how I'm going to get through this. But in reality, these kind of like little tactics or strategies is what I'm gathering. You maybe later learned were really important in. The recovery, right? Or the
1: Uh, yes, absolutely, it was. Um, I learned it later. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll try to make it more brief. But anyway, so my last, the last transfusion that I had. When I asked my dad that question,
0: Uh, the question of "Am I going to
1: die?" He says, "I don't know." Yeah, yeah. And I woke up the next morning like, this sucks. Yeah. Like there's my dad's telling me there's not even a guarantee. So if this is living, I'm done. So I told my parents that, and they're like, well, you need to go talk to your doctor. Mm -hmm. They probably thought he was going to talk me out of it. Yeah. But I had this big meeting, and my my mom was right outside the door, and I'm like, Dr. Kometz, I just can't. It's too much. It's too much. Yeah. And it's hell. Yeah. And he's like, I understand. Yeah. And I'm not going to make you do it. But you have to promise me. That you'll get your count, you know, your blood counts checked and you will reserve the right to change your mind. Yeah. Deal. Yep. And so my mom, in disbelief, she didn't think you were gonna <laughs> say that, started pumping me full of vitamin C and took me to a charismatic healer.
0: A charismatic healer? Mm-hmm. What's a charismatic healer? So
1: basically it is someone it was in a church uh-huh. and her <coughs> name was Ann something, but people would go and she would pray over them and the spirit as she described would come into them and they would usually if the spirit came through them they would fall back they would have all these experiences and then they would give a testimony you know later about how it worked so I sat in the pew of that church and I stood up and I sat down and I I never fell back yeah spirit never came to me okay and I'm like okay well whatever and so we just moved on but Mm -hmm. we did it a couple times kept getting my blood counts, and they continued to rise. And I never got another blood transfusion again. And my mom, of course, called it a miracle. Yeah. My grandmother, my dad's mom, said it was because she gave up candy. She bargained with God that I would get well. <laughs> God love her. I love that. I mean, so cute. I love that. The, the doctors called it a spontaneous remission. Spontaneous remission.
0: Basically, they don't have no idea. No clue. They have no clue why you just all of a sudden... It went into remission. Like, it
1: it went into remission. Just, right. My count started going up, and I got to finish high school like a, quote-unquote, normal kid. Yeah. Not going into, you know, the ER anymore. And graduated and started college at University of Louisville uh-huh. because my parents didn't want me to go too far away. Yeah. And just because they yeah. were still scared. It was of only, course. like, two years that yeah. I had been in this state. Yeah. And once they... I could prove to them after two years that, no, this is kind of the way it is. Then I transferred to Miami of Ohio.
0: Did your world just like turn around? Like that you were just like in this state and then all of a sudden you were normal. You could have a normal life, which I'm sure as a little kid was like what you just wanted to have so badly. Yeah.
1: Oh, I made up for lost time for sure. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. I had a great time. And then um, I lived my happy life doing my thing and then I met my adorable husband and we had our first child Mm -hmm. and when I went into she was uh needed to be induced so when Mm -hmm. I went in you have to have blood counts done for that they're like oh yeah your platelets are really low did you start to panic
0: no yeah
1: I just was told I couldn't have an epidural so we were going to do this naturally which I would never change ever
0: I know Karen a beautiful I, experience I I believe you so much I believe every woman that has had done home birth I've had friends that have done home births I I feel that it will it would absolutely be literally like a transformative spiritual
1: experience oh it absolutely is
0: and I don't think I want to <laughs> experience it
1: I don't know maybe try it once and see no but then
0: like what if I don't survive it like you that would. I think I have a I have a weird a, I'm very afraid of pain mm. but I have a really high pain threshold but I'm very afraid of it like if I hear anything about torture like even you with it I just am ter- it's like terror to me
1: <laughs> you look a little physically moved when I was <laughs>
0: telling you <laughs> What
1: the bone marrow like. I have like. some
0: sort of ang- anxious fear, whatever, when it comes to like pain.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's understandable. Yeah. Yeah. Totally and,
1: that, understandable. and
0: that kind of pain sounds. It was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. But also it was a divine experience because yeah. when I couldn't tolerate any more pain, I, there was nothing else I could do. I just sat in a rocking chair and I stared at the light. And I started rocking you just and went I realized I put myself In a into a trance. Yes. And I got through the pain and then all of a sudden I said, I'm ready to push. And that went on for a couple of hours. And, and I didn't sure feel any pain.
0: after. I'm sure after then you look back and you're like, wow, I am so proud of myself. Like you must feel like a complete like warrior.
1: So funny. I didn't even look about it. I never even thought about it that way. That's how I would think
0: about it. If I just had to endure and survive that, like, I, I am a fucking warrior. I actually... Build cities in my name. No kidding.
1: Oh no kidding. Yes. I actually felt so grateful for this divine intervention that overcame me. Yeah. Truly, that's, yeah, I, yeah, and obviously so joyful to have a baby in my arms. It made it right. all worthwhile. Right. You forget that's the pain what, immediately. Right, that's what they say. Hand yeah. that baby to you. So yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, then three months after that, they're like, you need to get checked. And that's when they found out that the aplastic anemia actually came back. And, I mean, it was a miracle that I could even have a child after all the medication that I had taken. Yeah. So, grateful for that. And they're like, yeah, you need to start seeing a hematologist. So, we started doing that. Long story, a little bit longer. Uh, ended up going to the NIH, National Institute of Health, because my physician here said you need a bone marrow transplant, and I just oh knew my God. in my heart, You're like I don't want to do that of again. Hearts. <laughs> well, I'd never had one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. my only experience was experimental. Yeah. And I saw like the kids w- that died oh. from those, and that just intuitively, I knew that was wrong. Yeah. I was going about my business, doing all the things they wanted me to do. Getting the transfusions, taking the medication. But like right kind of back where you were again almost. Right. Oh, yeah. 100% back yeah. to where I was. Oh. Um, but now there were more advances. So yes. it was like 25 years later. Yeah. So there were other things to try, which we tried them all. And they're like, nope, there's nothing else. So I went to the NIH. And you have to be invited. But I had a, a kind of an interesting story. And I ended up being treated there with a cocktail of drugs. Similar, one of the drugs I took as a child. and then they added some other things to it. Anyways, started doing that and just relied on the things that my parents did mm. for me, which was continue to live a normal life, mm-hmm. do my thing, be with my baby. Mm. Stakes were a little higher now because mm-hmm. I had a baby. But I just started to employ all the things that I just handled the way my parents did, Yeah, which is go on. And I remember when, it, when they diagnosed me the second time and it was back, my initial thought was, Okay. I did not learn my lesson the first time.
0: I was going to ask you, like, first, when this spontaneous remission happened, when you were at the church, like, what do you believe was happening? Do you have any idea?
1: I don't know what was happening at the church. Okay. But what I believe did happen is I raised the white flag. I mean, I was raised Catholic. Uh I'm kind of more of a cafeteria Catholic now. I don't, you know, hang with all of it. But, I mean, I was always taught you're never given more than you can handle. Mm. Wow. And I got to that point. I could not handle anymore. Wow.
0: Similar to the birthing story as well, kind of, right?
1: Exactly. And I think that I was telling my body, like, yeah, cute. We're not doing this anymore. Like we've hit the, I've hit the limit. I've hit the limit, but that was also me saying, like, no, we're not going to do this. I now know. I mean, I've learned so many things since then. But yeah, the mind controls the body. So I, I was like, no, we're not doing this anymore.
0: And do you think that the like, the conviction, like the trust, the faith, that just just the feeling, something? Because I'm sure a lot of people, right, could say. We're not doing this anymore to whatever illness and they still succumb right? right so there's there's a there's something layered there there's something extra there's like this maybe force that right we can't explain that
1: was sure for you for sure yeah. I mean um, listen I know I'm special yeah but I'm no more special than anybody else and I happen to believe we're all here in our own life plan. So, yeah. if someone says that, and trust me, I know plenty of people right. that that happened to, yeah. that they had had enough too, and they were hoping for a different outcome. Yeah, it's not because they were doing it wrong. No, it's just no. because that was their life purpose. Yeah, they came and they were here as long as they were supposed to be here. Yeah. And then, did you
0: they s- did you say though that you thought you kind of thought like this wasn't going to be the thing that took me out? So mm-hmm. it was like you already kind of knew I on did. this deeper level. Yeah. So then you telling your body like. We're done. Yeah. Then the body was like, okay, she kno- we Okay. Right. Something's higher than us in this hierarchy of command, this chain right. of command. Like we're listening to
1: something else. Right.
0: And then it just spontaneous remission.
1: Yeah. As a child. And then with Haley, I continued to go through the treatments. And then I, along the way, I developed cancer. I had thyroid cancer, did the treatments for Is that. Is that related
0: to like? They don't. I mean, they don't
1: know. Okay. Um, Got treatment for that. And then at the the end of that, I was on this medication that is horrible for your body. Mm -hmm. And it can lead to other cancers and shorter life expectancy, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. Yeah. (laughs) So I worked with my physician, and I told him I was going to take myself off of it. And he's like, well, these are all the things that are going to happen if you do. Like, thank you for the information. Do not say that to me again. Mm. If you need to write it in the chart to like CYA, cover your ass, that's fine. But I am going to. I'm not absorbing that. Not going to absorb it. Not no. going to make it part of my reality. And yeah. I got off the medication. And I mean, I weaned myself off. And I was continuing to see him on a yeah. regular basis. It was kind of like saying I wasn't going to get the transfusions anymore. Yeah. I was willing to reconsider if things got too bad. Right, 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 right. Of course. And I had a baby. Yeah. Like, the stakes are so high now. Yeah. But we just continued to do that, and I got off the medication, and then I had a stressful experience in my life, and my counts dropped again, Mm. and I went back on the medication. I did what I said I was going to do, reconsider, went back on, and oh, by the way, I got pregnant again. I was never supposed to have a first baby. Now I have a second one. Wow. Like, don't ever, like, what? So I did have to take the medication then, and then I, well, actually, prior to that, I saw a woman in town who taught me about theta healing.
0: Okay, what's theta healing? Theta healing <coughs> is, so
1: theta is a brainwave state. Okay. So there's alpha, beta, gamma, day. Okay. Theta is meditation, like, when you're sleeping or falling asleep.
0: Okay. This must be what you hit when you do, like, yoga nidra. It's like that. Have you heard of no mm-hmm. yoga nidra? Yep. Like you're oh, like absolutely.
1: Yeah. Part where of you're, my yoga training.
0: But. where you're like in that state of like going to like
1: you feel like you're almost falling asleep but you're like still kind of with it. Yes. So you that's basically closing your sub your conscious mind, your thinking brain. Uh-huh. And it's opening up your con, your subconscious mind. Opening up the subconscious, which is where you can lay thoughts down, your affirmation, uh, uh-huh. your because your body listens to what your mind tells it yeah so your subconscious mind doesn't know right from wrong true from pulse okay so when the conscious brain part of your brain is asleep you start laying down these thoughts of what you want uh-huh so she taught me about affirmations and theta healing and I took the book into my physician when I was trying to get off the medication and you probably he, didn't want to see that. He didn't. He's a Western <laughs> trained doc. I yeah. mean, I respect that. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's how I got off of the medication the first time and then, you know, the stress and then back on have Mirabella. I'm like, Well, I did it once, I can do it again. I can do it again. So I started weaning myself off again, all the while doing all the things my parents taught me about just continuing with my life, the Mm -hmm. way they handled it. Mm -hmm. I started adding other types of integrative approaches. I started doing yoga. Mm -hmm. I started doing, you know, more relaxing, although Pilates is difficult, but, you know, it's not like pumping iron, more gentle. Yeah. Right. Um, I started learning about all these different things that we can do to support Western medicine. I never once tell people, never ever do I tell people just abandon Western medicine yeah. and just go rogue and do right. all these other things, but absolutely listen to your body yeah. and work in concert with your physician, yeah. being an advocate. It's another
0: set of tools. Exactly. Why not?
1: Right. Listen, if I break my leg, I'm not going to sit around and like right. tell myself affirmations to heal my leg. Yes. Right. I'm going to get a cast. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go get my leg
1: set. Yeah. So... That's kind of my approach is now that I've learned so much yeah. about it, I do it in yeah. cancer. I don't see any physicians anymore. I mean, I have a primary care. Sure, sure, But sure. I don't see a hematologist. Wow. I've had other, like, surgeries mm-hmm. since then and never got a platelet transfusion, never did any of that. Wow. And I continue That's to amazing. run affirmations all the time.
0: Okay, let's talk about the affirmations. Yeah. Because... <clears throat> I am, I guess I've been doing affirmations now for about six months, Mm -hmm. and I do them in the morning when I wake up, Mm -hmm. as soon as I wake up. But maybe I'm hearing now I might have to switch it up,
1: that maybe it's better to do it when you're falling asleep. Actually, yes and yes. So morning, and when you first wake up, before you touch your phone, before you do anything, obviously your eyes open, you thank the universe, source, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. For a new day. Yes. And practice gratitude. Exactly. And then immediately go into your affirmations because you're waking up. So you're still in that theta state when you first.
0: Okay. Wake up. Okay. You're
1: laying down tracks of gratitude. Yeah. And then you're telling your body what you want it to be. So yeah, my affirmation and you it's always good to make up your own, but yeah. What I was instructed to say was I'm in perfect health with the universe. I'm in perfect health with the universe. Now, I was also trying to get over a, an illness that yeah. you know can pretty much take you out. Yeah. <laughs> um a life threatening illness. <laughs> uh, yeah, a life threatening illness. And but I ran those affirmations all d- and it's it's hard to do that when you're sitting in a doctor's office getting your blood drawn.
0: It is, it is because even when I do my affirmations now and <clears throat> what I've been doing is I will have like s- different ones saved on insight timer. So someone is saying the affirmation out loud and then I say it out. I repeat it out yeah. loud and I say it and I say it with feeling and conviction. And you know what, and some of them will be kind of health affirmations, you know, some of them will be, I don't the Normal kind of affirmations like I am, you know, attracting abundance. I am rich in love. What whatever it is. Right. But like all of those, pretty much everything that I say, I can really like believe it. Even if I'm like I'm in perfect health. Even if I'm not in perfect health, if I'm cold or something. Like I can like believe it. But it seems like it would be very difficult if you're sitting in a doctor's office and saying I'm in perfect health. And and because I do think and tell me if I'm wrong. I just think about this myself. When you say, th- you have to really believe the affirmations. That is the, po- that's, like, the sticking power. You have to, like, say it with conviction. You have to, like, feel it in your soul. Yes. Like, when I think, when I say, like, my, my affirmations or, like, talk about being grateful, like, I, like, really feel it. I, like, even, like, kind of just, like, get a little, like, I get, like, movement to me because I can, right. like,
1: feel it. Right. Well, that's because your cells just heard that. Yes. And they heard. Listen oh, up, what? cells. Right. Listen up. Well, right. I mean, we have trillions of cells and they. <laughs> They are dying and, like, rebuilding themselves all day long. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. And so you tell them what you want them to be. Like, I will say, if if I have trouble falling asleep, I obviously mm. do my affirmations. But I kind of start, I start from my feet and mm. I work my way up my body. Thank you, feet, for carrying me through the earth. Thank oh, you, ankle, yes. for doing that. Thank you. And I, I usually don't even get past my torso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm asleep. Right. But I talk to my body. Yes. Tell it, like, thank you, liver, for cleansing my blood. Thank you. And it may sound hokey, but no. guess what? I'm still here. Yeah. It and worked for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to keep doing it.
0: Since doing my affirmations in the morning, and, I mean, I can probably, I've probably missed maybe, like, ten times over the course of six months. Because it feels, it's not something that's hard for me to do because it feels so good. Right. And it, and I, And it really just, like, has transformed my life. Like, I started doing them at a very, very, very low point when I was feeling very depressed and lost after a breakup. And now, like, I can't imagine starting my day without them. Oh, absolutely. And and I just see, like, magic everywhere. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, the good news is it's not just Karen Bossy and, you know, Chrissy Gurley talking about two girlies sitting around talking about affirmations. Most people think of The Secret. You know, trying to attract oh, abundance yeah. and all of that. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. Whatever sure. you want to do. yeah. But now it's rooted in science. Mm. I mean, there's science that proves that your body listens to it. So I became a huge, uh, I was turned on to a documentary about 25 years ago called What the Bleep Do We Know? Oh, I love it. Literally bleep. Yeah. <laughs> and I watched that and it was all about, it was a documentary of neuroscientists. Proving that we are what we say we are. Yes, we create our reality with our thought. Yes, and I was like, "Oh my God, that's what happened." Because I could never figure out why did I have this good luck. Yeah. I was kind of calling it yeah, miracle, on- spontaneous honestly, yeah, remission. Yeah. Well, I've now learned it's yes, it can be both of those, but it's really self-induced healing. Mm-hmm. That's what they call it in science now. Mm. And so after watching the documentary, I'm like, "That's." Okay. Then I started studying all of those quantum physicists that were in there. Mm. I became a student of all their books. I needed to know why. Again, I know I'm special, but I'm not like you know more special than anybody else. What what's making this happen? Because I had a very strong conviction that I need to learn what I did. Yeah. Because I didn't have these experiences for not I right. Mean, by now, this is like half my life I spent sick. Right. That wasn't just because yeah. I did something wrong or no. I was supposed to suffer or anything. Yeah. I needed to learn and then I needed to teach.
0: So you had mentioned that when you got sick the second time, you thought, I didn't learn what I needed to learn. What was it that you needed to learn, that you needed to teach? Uh, I, I
1: I, believe I needed to learn how it happened, mm. but I wasn't going to get there until I did it again. Yeah. And then as an adult, I could study it. Yeah. So I'm a huge believer in divine order. Mm, what, what do you mean by divine order? Everything has a reason. Yeah, everything happens that for a reason. Ha- and, and that, even, that sounds so trite, yes. But certain things have to happen in your life that likely aren't that pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> because you learn from them. And yes. the beauty is you got to, I believe, you need to put your head down and get through it. Yeah. And then when that experience is in the rearview mirror... If you look around, you can recognize, oh, well, I wouldn't be here if I didn't go through that. I could not I'd agree this more. If this didn't. So that's the beauty of age. <laughs> you yeah. get more and more examples of that. Right. You do. And so I just needed to understand, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. What was happening? Because if I just told people, I just said I'm in perfect health, they'd be like, right, uh-huh, okay. Right. Well, now I can talk the science. Well, okay. I to talk science. Let's talk science. Yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah. I'm not saying we have to do it now, but no, but I kind
0: of want to. I mean,
1: it's evidence based. Yeah, they do studies. So there was a, there's a study. I became a huge fan of Joe Dispenza, Doctor Joe Dispenza, and his first book that I read was "You Are the Placebo." He mm-hmm. was one of the physicists, the quantum physicist that was on this documentary, and I read that, and that's all about. My, if you believe something is going to work, it will work. Okay. If you believe that it won't, so there's the placebo effect. Yeah. We've heard of that. Like your doctor gives you a sugar pill. Yeah. There's randomized studies. You get the real one. You get the fake right. one. People that get the fake one have almost the same percentages. Right. It's nuts. Yeah. Of outcomes, of yeah. positive outcomes. Yeah. Well, there's also the nocebo effect where if you, and there's studies on this too, you give a patient a pill, if a physician gives a patient Whatever the pill. And it's not even sugar pill. It's a, real, it's a legit drug. And they say, try this. I'm not sure it's going to work, but give it a try. Probably not going to work. No. And, you know, again, we can, we can quote studies and et cetera, et cetera, but there's one that they refer to where a gentleman was given a, a drug, and the doc's like, it's the latest and greatest, going to work so well. Went on it, had great outcomes back to the doctor and the doctor's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. But we found out that actually in the studies, it doesn't really work that well. They kept taking it and guess what? It quit working. And then fast forward to they're still seeing the physician and like that was like a bad study or something. It actually does work. It starts working for them again. I know it's I mean they put they put elderly men in a monastery. So, like, you know, 70, 80 years old. Mm-hmm. And you measure your age. Like, grip strength starts to go down. You know, all those kinds of yeah. respirations are different. Your body just responds differently. <clears throat> Put them in this monastery for a couple of days, five days. When they were there, the only thing they had were magazines from 20 years ago. They showed TV shows from 20 years ago. They served food that was the fat. I mean they gave them clothes from 20 years ago. Okay. They got out, they measured their grip strength, they did all of those measurements. Yeah. And it was like they were 20 years younger.
0: Karen, this is freaking me out because when you did the energy work on me, which we'll talk we'll get to and talk about eventually, and I told you it like opened up this weird energy portal, and I just had a I just had a lot, or not just like this magic portal. I just had a lot of. I think there was just a lot more room for things to move because we had cleared out a lot of unnecessary heavy feelings. Right. Okay. And then since then, when this kind of magical energy portal opened, and if people want to know more, subscribe to the Patreon because I give a full recap there, deep dive into what I'm talking about. But all of a sudden I like almost felt, I'm going to use the word trapped, but it's, that sounds too negative what it was. But I was like trapped in 2007 or like t- basically when I was like 19, 20 years old and I was listening to music of the time. I'm like consuming media. I'm like just in that like mental space, but feeling like so young and right. vibrant. And it feels like it feels like like that is like I was like doing that to myself like okay well now you're 20 again <laughs> and right. like feeling great right
1: well people say when you have a baby later in life it keeps you young well of course it does yeah because you think you're younger because you've got a toddler oh I think I'm I think I'm 20 when <laughs> that's why you look so good I, I, I mean so good. goodness <laughs> that's really crazy but so it's they all rooted in science yeah now that's the advantage we have like. You don't have to believe me. I'll give you plenty of books. I mean an entire bibliography you can just read, study after study. And I don't talk about it scientifically because I like people can kind of relate to it better. Yeah, it's I more mean more conversational. Right. But right. when you talk about, you know, feeling having these experiences and not feeling good, that's because every emotion that we have in our life, experience and it creates an emotion like you said is stronger than just a thought, which it is. If you don't sit with that emotion and let it go through you, mm-hmm. it sticks to you. Yeah. And so we start to get, our bodies start to get kind of clogged down. Yeah. With all of these trapped emotions or limiting beliefs from the time we're born mm-hmm. to whatever age you are now. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, The Body Keeps the Score yeah. has been on the New York Times bestseller list for months. Mm-hmm. And that is, again, scientifically showing how traumas, micro traumas, large traumas, anything, not getting picked for the kickball mm-hmm. team until the last, you know, you're the last one to get picked. It's dramatic when you're yeah. in the fourth grade. Yeah. You're going to store that. Mm-hmm. And so when your body's ready to release that, which is what we do when you're on the table, your yeah. body tells <laughs> me yeah. what it wants to get rid of. It's not Karen Bossy deciding it's... Intelligent yeah. intuition for sure, but I'm doing muscle testing to see what emotion you want to release. Yeah. And then we release that emotion and we go through that as many times as your body wants to do it. And then your body will tell me when, I, when it's had enough. Yeah. Sometimes we, it wants to be aligned to a, a greater belief. Mm-hmm. Many of us have so many limiting beliefs. Even something limiting like, I don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. So maybe your your body wants to install that. Or I think I that was one of the things that came up for me first, right? But like you had told
0: me like we first needed to like let your body feel safe. Your body said that's what it wanted.
1: Yeah. It wasn't me telling yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, just for clarity, it's not just me saying, Oh yes. Right. Because honestly, if I if it were me, everybody that came on the table needed to release that. Just getting through COVID. Yeah. That whole experience. Yeah. We were all so afraid. Yeah. None of us felt safe. Yeah. True. And so we stored all that.
0: Yeah. It was really interesting because while we were going through on the, when I was on the table, and for those listening, you're like, you're just like laying on a table and your hands are like lightly touching, you know, various parts of my body. And you talk sometimes throughout a little bit. But at this point, I don't think that you were, like, really talking yet. And in my mind, though, I was telling myself, like, you're safe, you're safe, you're safe. And it wasn't until later when we kind of had our little debrief at the end when you were like, yeah, I really had to let your body know that it was safe. And I was like, oh, well, I heard you. <laughs> you right. know, like, there was, right. like someone was telling me that I needed to tell myself that I was safe. Right. Like that was the exact thought. That was the exact thought
1: I had. When we're installing, if you will, um, those affirmations, kind of building them into you, the best thing to do is repeat it. Now, mm-hmm. sometimes clients will fall asleep on the table. And that's fine. I yeah. say it out loud. Yeah. Because guess what? You're sleeping. Your conscious mind is down. Yeah. Your subconscious mind, though, is absorbing it. It's right. Like, oh, I'm safe. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That's all it believes. Yeah. That's all it knows because I'm telling it that and it's hearing it. Yeah. Because your subconscious mind is just a record of the past. Mm. That's all. That's where... All of your trapped emotions start, mm. and then you manifest them in different parts of your body. So that's part of what Reiki does, which is clear the blockages. It's not yep. necessarily releasing any particular trapped emotion, but it's through the kind meridians, of like opening your body. the channels opening a little the bit. The channels, yep. So the heal. So I don't. I am a Reiki master. Yes. Yeah. Um. I am working on. You know, we do healing touch also, but we yeah. also do another modality trilogy so we combine
0: what's trilogy
1: trilogy is a combination of chinese medicine with universal law and intelligent intuition Mm. and that's really it's similar to like body talk okay or the emotion code okay very similar to that but it also involves chinese medicine so your body will tell me through a series of muscle testing what element you need to align more so, does it feel different like
0: when you're like when you have your hands on me? No it's just something you like well I test and mm-hmm. I look at a
1: chart and it'll say like different emotions are stored in different parts of your body, okay, and so if I put my hand, say, if it's grief as an example, you store that in your liver and your lungs so we'll move I'll move my hands around wherever I'm guided through intuition, through guidance, divine guidance, where my hands need to go, mm-hmm. but they always start in one particular place. Yeah, and then if I am guided to move them in another place, I'll muscle test first, make sure that's what you want, and then we'll do that. Yeah, so it's a, just a way for people to know that it's again not just Karen Bossy deciding. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's but it is it's a divine experience, yeah. and that's why I work together. You probably heard me talk about you know, kind of opening up your crown and letting divine light come in and flood you. And I mean, I, we say every time I have somebody table, it's it's different. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that is one of the things, you know, that we can do, but it's, I combine all the things that I've learned over 25 years. Mm -hmm. So you're not just coming in for Reiki, you're coming in for a full somatic therapy, biofield therapy. I mean, it's all of the above combined and that's what's different. I'm not trying to sell myself, but I think that's what's different about the experience with me is we have frequencies I felt, on.
0: yeah, like the feelings that I had in my body while this was happening was like no feeling that I've ever felt before that, that I don't know if, if I told you, but that one point I had thought that you had like made it like a press like on the inside of my wrist. Like it felt like it was like pressure. And I was like, oh, maybe she's just like holding on to my wrist. But then as I was kind of like aware of what was happening, like you couldn't have reached the inside of my wrist just from like the way that my body was, whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh, then what? And and now, even as I press on my own wrist, that wasn't the sensation that I felt, but it was just the only thing I could think of that would make logical sense until I started feeling it like all throughout, like inside my body. It felt like little like pops, like little like, almost like fireworks, like spark, like sparkling lights going off mm-hmm. all over my body. And then I would feel almost like a ripple wave that's like, I felt like you, you know, if you like get a chill, mm. or like you go to the bathroom, you go pee, and then you get like a little chill, right, you know? Right,
1: you feel so good. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and you like physically move your body, like it right. physically moves. But it was that feeling, but just internal. Like I wasn't physically moving, mm-hmm. but it was feeling like that inside. Like I had a starting point and it like rippled out, like a little like shiver.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, yeah I, like I, I can't imagine any other time where I like have felt those feelings. They were so right. foreign almost. Yeah. Well, we
1: don't normally get to have those experiences. Yeah. And everybody has a different experience. Yeah. Some people, I mean, I've heard that before. I was working on one guy talking about the pressure on your wrist. I was two feet away from her, and I was sending healing Reiki divine love to her whole aura. That's mm-hmm. what your biofield is. It's all your different energetic layers. Because mm-hmm. we're all just made of energy. Everything's yes. made of energy. right? So that's what we're doing is we're shifting the energy. That's yeah. what a stored emotion is. Yeah. A thought is energy. Everything's energy. Yeah. So we're just releasing some of that energy. So I am infusing your aura with divine light. And I had a gal on the table. And yeah, you put a
0: lot of divine light into me or something. I was really divine I leaving d- that table. I'm <laughs> so glad.
1: I will say, not that you're not special, but I do always pour a lot of divine love yes, into my clients.
0: No, I'm, but I'm not special. You're no, right. no, you absolutely are.
1: We all are. That's yes, the beauty. Is we as all special are. as the other. We all are. Um, but when she was finished, she's like, oh, my gosh. I opened my eyes at one point to see why you were pushing on my abdomen. And you were two feet away from the table. Yeah. I mean, that's where Reiki energy comes out of the palm of your hands and your eyes. Wow. And so that's why she could feel it. But everybody has a different experience. Yeah. You know, some people can feel the energy moving. Some people see colors. Some people sleep and they don't remember any of it. But when we're finished, they're like, oh, my, I've never felt so peaceful. Yeah. So that's the thing is we're... we're clearing out blockages mm-hmm. that are holding you back mm-hmm. from being your highest self. Yeah. We're aligning your body, mind, and spirit yeah. so that it can do the job that it was designed to do, which is heal your body. Yeah, I mean, when you get a cut, you don't say affirmations. I now have a scab. I yeah. need... <laughs> it just happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Our, that's how our bodies are designed. We just get in our body's way. Yeah.
0: So by clearing that out...
1: Getting rid of limiting belief, laying down the affirmation that Mm -hmm. I am in perfect health. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, you had stopped me. We were at a party together recently, and I was talking about a situation I was going through. And I said something like, I'm in agony. And you were like, I'm going to stop you right there. Your body (laughs) listens to everything that you say. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, like, why am I... Telling my body that I'm in agony. Like, that's terrible. I I actually don't feel in agony. I feel excited and energized, maybe a little off kilter and a little, you know,
1: confused and wary, but I'm definitely not in agony. (laughs) So. It's so. I'm so glad you brought up that example. Um, to be clear, though, I mean we we were already together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I did talk about your semantics, but yeah, I don't usually walk around correcting people. No, no, no. With no what no, they say? No, but, no, no, no. We,
0: and we're 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 cool. We're, yeah, cool. You, we're totally I, yeah, I want you to be. able I to- I know who I can say yes, it to. Like yes, a yes. Random yes. stranger. No, no, like, no. Oh, no. by the way. Yeah, no, no, no. I want you to be able to tell me that. That was a good reminder. Yeah. Like I needed to hear that because. I was just kind of putting myself into this frenzied state, you know, by the language that I was saying or how I was articulating, and right. and really what it was, it was excitement, and that's right. that's fine. But like, you just maybe just I don't know. For me, I maybe just need to take a time to like, what are, what is it that you're really feeling? It might be exactly. excitement, which might feel uncomfortable because it's like an an, an a f- aggravated state or like a. A higher frequency state that you might not initially be able to be like, this is okay. It's just, it's excitement. It's okay. But then I'm just like, it's agony. I don't know what to do. I'm (laughs) like, take take a breath. Granted, love or, you know, that feeling of
1: that is a fun agony. Yeah. But your body doesn't know the difference. But your body doesn't know the difference. So I, I mean, I still correct myself all the time. So like I might say, oh, I don't say it very often, but oh, I'm so stressed about And I'll switch it to, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Because really, excited is a version of it. Yeah. And there's a really good book called Power Versus Force, which is David Hawkins. And they actually measure the frequency of thoughts. Wow. And fear is really low. Hate is really low. Oh, yeah. But love and gratitude. Yeah. High, high, high. And if we're all energetic beings and our cells are listening to what it's being told, the thoughts that we have, then be super mindful of your mind. Yes. Yes. I mean, if you're watching television and you don't like what's on, you pick up the remote and you change it. Yeah. You can do that with your brain too.
0: Yeah. You can do that with people in your life. You can do that with (laughs) situations. Like you can
1: exit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I won't watch violence on television. I, I don't prefer that. Well, because subconsciously, my subconscious mind, because you're, when you're watching television, you start to go into a trance,
0: mm.
1: right? You're being entertained. You quit thinking about other things. Yeah. You're really into the plot line. Yeah. Your subconscious mind is starting to go down. I mean, your, your conscious mind is going down. Your subconscious mind is opening up. It's a memory of the past. You're watching as if you're in the fight. That's how I feel when I watch TV. Exactly, and maybe or read
0: books or right, anything else. Right,
1: because you're telling your subconscious mind, I'm getting shot. Yeah, I'm in a battlefield. Whatever it is. Yeah. And so then you go into fight or flight. How how do? Because I want to be
0: able to consume and I want to be able to read a book. I want to, but right. I, I was reading a book and there was like a torture scene in this book. They were this person was being skinned alive. I had I couldn't read it. Yep. I'm like I have to. I can't. I can't. Skip I ahead. could. I could not. Consume it.
1: Skip ahead. Skip ahead. Yeah. I mean, listen, everybody loves a James Bond movie. Yeah. But I would turn away every time. There is a little violence in there. I, I always would turn close away. my eyes. Right? <laughs> turn my kids are so funny. Like, like, we know, Mom, we well, don't want violence. We know. Especially if we watch TV before we go to bed.
0: I don't so like scary things. Don't no. Don't. <laughs> no.
1: But that's why. Intu- you're so intuitive. Like, your body just knows this doesn't feel good.
0: Yeah, but some people it does feel good because they're like addicted to the adrenaline and like the f- like that fear-based thing, That's which so makes cool. sense Like people that have been like pumped full of fear when they were young. Of course. And, and so I think you can kind of go one or two ways. You can really be into those type of things because they like stimulate that feeling or you can be like, I do not ever want to be afraid again. I've been so afraid for so long. I can't he- handle it. Right.
1: Well, the unfortunate part is the people that really do want that stimuli of all the stress, their body's conditioned to that. Yeah, They're used to being in fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you're in a relationship and it's not comfortable, but at least it's so uncomfortable, but it's comfortable because it's known. Yes. Right. So if you're used to having a life that is full of trauma or full Mm -hmm. of negativity, that's all you know. So a life that's not that can be really traumatic. So there are people sometimes on the table and they want to release things, but it's a physical experience because they're moving out of fight or flight. And sometimes we just, I'll test. They're like, no, you got to stop now. They won't, it won't go. Well, when we were, when we were working on me,
0: we had the first feelings that came up were like the feelings of depression that you're like, you can release the feeling of depression. And I honestly, I use that as a mantra. I've been using that. Like I can release the feeling of depression or like I release the feeling of depression. I release the feeling of non-committal. Like I will like say it out loud Mm -hmm. when I start to just like feel myself kind of resisting or if some, if an, negative feeling comes up and I want to like push it away or I want to distract I just say instead I can release the feeling of depression almost because it kind of like acknowledges it right because I do think I have a hard time just like feeling in the moment when I have to feel I want to make it go away I'm sure most people do right but what I thought was interesting when we did the release of the depression you said like you didn't want to release it Mm-hmm. Like it was, it took a while right. to like be able to let it go. And when you're thinking, well, why wouldn't I want to release depression? Like who wants to hold on to depression? But you told me that sometimes the, you would rather have hold on to what's known than, than maybe release it. And then like what could take its place? Right. Because it, it, does it kind of just like open up a room for something else to come in? Which we want like love and gratitude probably to fill its place. But right. it could be worse than depression. So well, it might maybe better hold on to it and be right. miserable.
1: Right. I mean, there's a term called neuroplasticity, which is every time you have a thought, it lays down new pathways in your brain. And so when you have a different thought, it starts to lay a different pathway, and then you build that groove. That's why in, they talk about in meditation, We're like, oh, I can't make it more than a minute or two minutes or whatever. It's okay. Because your brain is starting to, you're teaching it. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It, you're safe. You can do this for a minute, and then you start to lay down those tracks. And then <coughs> the next time you go in, it's another. you can maybe do two minutes, mm-hmm. or maybe not. But you're just building that familiarity. You're rewiring your brain, essentially, yep. to know that it's safe in that situation. And that's really the basis of all of Joe Dispenza's books. Mm-hmm. Dr. Joe Dispenza, Dr. Bruce Lipton is another one that talks about all that. I mean, those are just... The people that I study. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I like to share it with other people because I've seen it work countless of times. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it sounds like some really big takeaways the I am statements, the affirmations are really powerful. Mm -hmm. Seems like an easy thing people can start to incorporate into their life.
1: 100%.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just the, like, you are creating your reality with your thoughts. Be
1: mindful of what's going on in your mind. Right. Be mindful of your mind. Be mindful of your mind. Yeah. And just like you said, the I am statements, really and being mindful of your mind, making sure that if you say <clears throat> I am, that it's something positive. Yeah, right. Right. And you can change it. <laughs> you say, oh, no, no, no. I'm actually, I'm excited.
0: Yeah. I've, I've done that or, recently. Yeah. I have like st- just out of habit. Just out of pure habit, I don't know, you'll say something totally off the wall, crazy, like, I'm, like, the dumbest person I've ever met in my life. And then you're like, okay, uh, no, I didn't mean that. (laughs) Right. I take it back. Delete, delete, delete. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, like,
1: shoot, body, don't listen to that. Right. (laughs) I'm not the dumbest person I've ever met. Right. I just made a mistake. Exactly. (laughs) Well, remember the, the child, I mean, there's the study of the child that was at, like, first grade, and... The teacher walked around, and God bless teachers for the work they do. But they're like, "Oh, you're so dumb at math." Mm-hmm. Oh, I used now. to tell myself that all the time.
0: I'm terrible at math. And guess what? Your whole life, you probably weren't that great. Thought I was. Yeah, I thought I was terrible at math. Now I work like in data. <laughs> like, <laughs> turns out I wasn't really that bad at math. Different grooves in your brain, and and also it was also like my perfectionist brain that because I got B's in math and I didn't get A's that I was. Dumb, terrible at math. Shouldn't yeah. be able to do math. So Don't let this girl that. do math. Yeah, right. of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. You've seen we've seen those things about like speaking words to an apple, like speaking bad words to an apple and a good words to an apple, and they like decay at different rates. Mm-hmm.
1: Or the rice, the rice experiment. Another one that's really good if you're not into reading, really, but this is more of a picture book. But Dr. Emoto in Japan did a study on water. And he took water from a, you know, pond, what have you, divided into three different dishes. And over one dish, he had Tibetan monks
0: praying
1: over this water. The second group, the second, you know, sample of water, he had people like you and I mm-hmm. saying, I love you, you're so beautiful, all these magical mm-hmm. things. Yeah, And the third He had people like us saying, I hate you, you're so dumb, you can't, you know, just all kinds of horrible words. Yeah. Well, he had flash frozen this water, and it creates a crystal, right? You see him on your your windshield or what have you, or your windows. Then he, after the monks prayed on the water, he flash froze it, and it was a beautiful snowflake, like you see on your window. Tibetan monks, same thing, saying kind words, or people like us saying kind words to it. Still a beautiful crystal. Maybe not as beautiful as a monk's. Sure, sure. But that's fair. Beautiful. Yeah. The water where people said hateful things to it, it crystallized, but not in a beautiful crystal. It was like all over the place. Like, like not a good pattern. Not you a good know, pattern. Yeah, just like really choppy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now think about it. Our bodies are primarily water. I mean, we're babies. We're like 90% water. This makes
0: me think too of just about like the media that we're consuming. Like what are we looking on Instagram all the time? Like what is the messaging that we're subconsciously taking in? It makes me want to do a whole rehaul. Like I need to like start from
1: scratch. You can just do little by little. Eat that elephant one bite at a time. You're already doing some of it. You go past the torture scenes in a book. Yeah. You don't watch <laughs> it. I mean, you just start incorporating it. Oh,
0: right, 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 I mean, right, I wasn't right.
1: doing everything all at once. Right, right. I just learned, and when you learn it, then you start incorporating it. You start to see the effects of it, and, I and think, then it makes you want to do it more.
0: Yeah, and I think even, I don't know, some of the things I think about, like, joking, like when I'm joking with friends, or you're being, like, self-deprecating, or, like, that's starting to feel funny to me.
1: But subconscious mind doesn't know any different. It makes me laugh, though. I know. I know. <laughs> but that's what we're used to doing. And listen, I think I'm a pretty fun person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to have a good time. Yeah. And I've, sometimes I say stuff. Right. So, like, we Whatever. just do the best we can. Right. We just
0: do the best we can. Right. I know. Yeah. I'm, like, of course, I jump to, like, how can I re-edit my whole entire well, life? Well, exactly. And get cut off all negative right. messaging, which is just, like, not the world we live in. No. And I guess we can also just be discerning individuals and realize, like, I can look at this message and I can say, that's actually not for me. Like, like you told your doctor, Mm -hmm. you can write that in the chart. Don't say it to me again because I'm not going to absorb it. Cause I feel like we've got to be able to have a little kind of autonomy, right. Over like what we let in. Yes. Cause we might be bombarded with something that we don't necessarily want to see. And we have to say like, that's not for me. That's not for, that's not for my energy force field. That's not for me. Right. And you can maybe fit like supplement with an affirmation of like, I am grateful
1: and in love with my life right and safe I mean, <laughs> not being skinned alive okay. <laughs> it's not for me exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean not to you know go all like conspiracy theory and all that stuff because that's not what i do but again the science when you're watching a commercial when you're watching tv it's a tv program mm-hmm. <laughs> the commercials come on oh this is so good for you yeah so you start to believe it yeah well these are the si- potential side effects oh damn right you hear I like yeah. It's just being mindful of it. I'm not saying you shouldn't watch TV and no, I'm not saying right, commercial, right, all right. commercials are bad. Right. But I mean, it's just out there.
0: Yeah. And, and we have, so. yeah. And there's good, there's good practical tips that we right. could use. And it's just going to, it would just make you feel better and just practice. Just do it over and over again. Right. Might not happen the first time. You might not feel that much of a difference the first time. But I honestly, when I first started doing my affirmations in the morning, even after the first time I did, I was like, wow, I can feel a shift. And I'm, I'm taking deep breaths. I'm like, even that, just like when you wake up just to kind of like get everything, like just get in touch, like feel into your body. Like what's going on with it? It makes a big difference. I think it has made a big difference in my life. And I am pretty much like anything that I say out loud is like pretty much happening for me. There you go.
1: That's how it's supposed to work.
0: If anyone needs a testimonial. There you go. Um, Karen, we've arrived to the big question of the podcast. What does being fit mean to you?
1: Being fit me, to me means being mindful of my mind. I love that answer.
0: I love that answer. That might be my new favorite answer. The one answer before you, this happened in 2020, someone gave the response that being fit to them means being exceedingly kind to themselves. Mm-hmm. And that was my favorite for a while, but mindful of the mind might be my new favorite. I like the simplicity of it, you know, because right. that is fit. It's, that, that's truly, in my opinion, obviously it's different for everyone. That's the point of the podcast. But if you can be mindful of the mind, you can do anything then, right? You can make any changes that you need to do. You make any adjustments. You can, you know, let in more gratitude, let in more love, be more gratitude, be more love. And like all of those are contributing to you being fit.
1: I mean it it all just kind of contributes but being mindful of your mind is being mindful of how you treat someone else yeah how you speak to yourself yeah yeah how you're just being introspective about how am I creating what am I creating around me yes because
0: you are co-creating and how can I change it this life with the universe right that's what I say I'm like I'm co-conspiring with the universe that's exactly right. That's exactly right, Karen. Where can people get in touch with you if they want to learn
1: more? If they want to, you know, get in contact. What What's the best way? Sure. So they can go to my website, karenpbossy.com. dot com. Mm-hmm. I do have an Instagram page. Yep, KarenPBossy. Great. Perfect. Makes I it will easy. say I. Do not spend a lot of time on that. Good for you. <laughs> I mean, I really don't, but that's yep. a great way to, to send me a message. Yeah, send a message, yeah. You know, or you could email me at kpbossy.com. Great. DM me on Instagram. Yeah. And maybe someday I'll start working on a brand and having yeah. somebody market me or whatever. But for now, I am living out my life's purpose. And that, to me, is also being fit.
0: Yes. I know I'm
1: in the right place, Oh. doing the right thing. And it feels so
0: it, good. Yeah. Doesn't it feel good? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I gotta get back on your table soon.
0: I gotta just see what's going on. See I'd what's love going to have on you. under the hood.
1: Yeah. I mean I've Check been doing it, it for twenty five years. I've been having biofield therapies, energy medicine. I started going once a week. Mm-hmm. And then I went to every other week and now mm-hmm. I go once a month because yeah. it's just good. Clean it's good. things Ma- out. It's
0: like maintenance. <clears throat> yeah. It's like an oil change. Right. You just gotta keep it keep it moving. Yep. And I'm just so interested to to I love to be able to get the insight into my body, I'm like, what do you, what are we holding on to? What is it right. that we're like the the feeling of non-committal for me? Like that really hit. That was stuff I'd been working on with my therapist. Like that was just totally that really like woke me up. Yeah, I was like, oh, I am really holding on to that. I really don't feel safe enough to like let go of a feeling of not committing well, to that, anything. Yeah. Like you said, it was not necess- Like doesn't necessarily have to be a relationship. It's just like. The commitment, you know, to anything where I and I internalize that as like because I I have to like keep parts of myself to me just to me right. that I can't fully commit or I can't fully give in because some of it has to be kept here because what if it's too scary or painful or whatever? Sure. And so then, for like to hear that I'm
1: holding on, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. There's so many layers to it. Yeah, you know, it could go so many different ways. Yeah. And you were able on the table to figure out, oh, this is where it's coming from. Maybe it was, and maybe it wasn't. We're, yeah. We don't even have to know that. Yeah, we don't. have because to Because sometimes an emotion will come up that needs to be released, and that person's like, no, that doesn't fit me at all. I'm like, interesting. Yeah, doesn't fit you now. Now, but, but it, it could. Right. Maybe happened. When you were two. Yeah. Happened when you were five. You stored it. Yeah. We don't have to know where it came from. I know, but I'm kind of like. But it's amazing when you can see, oh, this just keeps playing out. Maybe Mm -hmm. there were other times. And that's why someone says, oh, why are you releasing whatever the emotion is? We did that already. Yeah. Well, guess what? You've probably felt noncommittal more than once. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? You probably felt depressed more than once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's why. we got to. Yeah. (laughs) Right I mean, there's just so
0: much. Do you ever get like a full, like a clean slate, like an empty email inbox? Do you ever get like, okay, we're going to get all the shit out and we're going to,
1: no. You mean if people sending me emails? No. Like no going just, through all, or you mean just your whole body? Yeah, your whole body oh is God, like, no. gets a,
0: you know, you don't ever no. get like a full clean.
1: No. Yeah. No, but the work is cumulative. Yeah. Every time you come in, you shift faster. Yeah. You're ready Because it's also, now it's a known yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, you know, in the beginning, you may not shift as much, but then you become accustomed to it. And that's one of the important things to me when someone's on the table is I want people to leave feeling empowered. Oh, yeah. That they don't have to just come to me to fix themselves. And that's why when you're on the table and before, during, and after, we have conversations. Mm -hmm. We walk through different breathing exercises. Mm -hmm. We talk about some things that can be done when you leave. we're working on your chakras and it's a particular color, what can you be doing on your own Mm -hmm. to support? Because to me, that's the challenge with Western medicine is that we've been raised, programmed, if you will, but it's just how we think. Well, I get sick and I need to go to the doctor to fix me. Well, yeah, you may or may not need the doctor, but guess what? You can work together with them. Mm -hmm. And so that's why when I have people on the table, I want to empower them. To know that they can bring some of this peacefulness and calmness to their being as well. They can elicit the parasympathetic nervous system, which is how you go into rest and digest. Mm -hmm. Teach them ways to do that so that in between they can keep the good flow going. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's so fun. I love it. It's so fun. Thank you so much
0: for sharing. I appreciate it. Um, Listeners, thank you, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at Chrissy Gurley, K-R-I-S-S-Y-G-I-R-L-I-E and at What The Fit Podcast. If you're loving What The Fit, please help spread the word. Send it to a friend, share it to your story. And if you are looking for even more exclusive content, become a Patreon member. You can find it at patreon.com slash whatthefitpodcast. Love ya.